This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Uh, Jimmy I, Paul Stone, and Bruce Marshall here on the Sports Better's Paradise. Talk in Sun Belt, the. Fun belt as we get into it. Let's start in the East. And, well, I got some fun teams in the East, Paul. And uh, start with uh, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. And Jamie Chadwell, what a job he's done. He's gone, but Grayson McCall is back. Three-time Conference Player of the Year uh, in uh, Grayson McCall. They were 9-1, and one, then they lost their last three. Tim Beck is a new head coach. He comes over uh, as from an uh, offense coordinator at NC State. Their win total is at eight, shaded to the under, minus 155, Paul. Yeah, this is a uh, Coastal Carolina team that went 9-4 and four last year, actually lost to East Carolina 53-29 in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, as we've mentioned, Chadwell off to Liberty, and in comes Tim Beck uh, as the first-year head coach. Most recently, offensive coordinator at North Carolina State. Prior to that, uh, also was either offensive coordinator or co-offensive coordinator at both Ohio State or Texas. So he's well known as an offensive mind in college football. Uh, Grayson McCall, you know, he he uh, flirted with the portal following the the 2022 regular season, and um, to the uh, delight of uh, Coastal Carolina fans, decided to return to Coastal, which was a, a great recruiting pickup, if you will, for Tim Beck. Uh, he wouldn't want to be uh, going through his first year without a star quarterback, but just all kinds of talent there, a dual threat guy. And again, they lose some key players. They lose their center, uh, Willie Lampkin. He transfers to North Carolina. He was an all-conference, all-sunbelt center. They lose their top defensive end, Josiah Stewart. He had 12 and a half sacks back in 2021. And to show his level of ability, he goes to Michigan. So he's playing for the maize and blue. So lose a couple of good uh, good players there. You know, they're going to have to get better on defense if they're going to challenge for the Sun Belt crown. Their total at eight, heavily juiced to the under. I don't have a real strong feeling uh, either way, but it'll be interesting to see what uh, McCall does uh, in, in 2023 and uh, how that defense does. They obviously have to get better on that side of the ball to contend. Well, Bruce, uh, we watch a lot of college football, and, uh, I mean, Grayson McCall can play, and I could see why a lot of uh, schools would have been interested. I mean, you watch some of the quarterback play at, at Notre Dame last year, Wisconsin, and some others. I mean, this guy is a talent. He is, and I, and I they think he can play on Sundays, too. And the new style of quarterback, he's a true dual threat. Yes. And I am I am, I am hoping, for, for the Chanticleer's sake, that Beck doesn't tweak that offense at all because Chadwell had a very unique offense in there, a lot of option elements, and this guy is the perfect trigger man for it, I hope. And I don't think he's going to do what, what Tony Elliott did at, at Virginia and just change that whole thing completely and Armstrong got lost. Uh, but I, I think Beck is smart enough to let McCall do his thing. But like Paul Stone said, a little worried about that defense. 
and um, they they really got gouged last year. They were a triple-digit ranked defense, and there's a lot of holes to replace there. Brought in a new coordinator, so we'll see how this works out defensively for them. But McCall gives them a puncher's chance, and yes, I think we'll see him playing on Sundays in the future. And uh, this is the sort of quarterback that is starting to we're starting to see now in pro football. Really good dual threat. Yeah, that that that's interesting, Bruce, because it was almost like Jamie Chadwell and in Grayson McCall. We, that's all we know them together, and that, that seemed to be the perfect approach offensively, stylistically, to uh, to utilize Grayson McCall. Very good on his option reads and his ability to run when he ran, when he didn't, and throw. He was uh, really, really uh, good. So that's interesting to see how Beth. Uh, if he uh, tinkers with that approach a whole lot. Being an offensive coordinator, I think he will. So concern there uh, for uh, the Chanticleers. Appalachian State, you know, they just made the jump up from FCS to FBS recently. And, uh, hell, game day made it to Boone, North Carolina. They hit with the uh, uh, Troy with the uh, Hail Mary after they uh, upset uh, Texas A&M in College Station. Head coach Sean Clark, his worst record, though, in his four years, after going 32-8, and eight. five of the six losses, however, were by one score. So they need to settle in on a quarterback. And uh, so, uh, Paul, the, uh, the the Appalachian State, their win total is at seven at Bet Rivers, and it's shaded to the under, minus 139. Yeah, you mentioned Sean Clark, a former offensive line coach uh, who was promoted uh, when uh, Scott Satterfield left before the bowl game back in 2019. And I really, I just don't like the direction of this program uh, under Clark's leadership. Just seems like they're on a slight downward trend, maybe more than slight, uh, to uh, kind of support that. Clark only nine twenty-two and one against the spread is the betting favorite at Appalachian State. Nine twenty-two and one. So when they're given points, they are not outclassing the opposition. And last year, they did something, man, I don't know how many times this has been done in college football. I've been handicapping college football for over 30 years. And some of these point spreads were, as you might expect, fairly small, less than a touchdown. But Appalachian State last year, they lost six games outright as the betting favorite. It is hard to lose six games outright as the betting favorite. But Sean Clark and the Mountaineers accomplished that last year, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, the losses, they do have to replace uh, their two-year starting quarterback, Chase Bryce, so they'll break, be breaking in a new quarterback. The losses are heavier on defense. They only return three of their top 14 tacklers, only two members of their starting front seven. Uh, I'm obviously not bullish on Appalachian State, but that total you know, seems about right looking at their schedule, so I'm going to pass. Uh, on Appalachian State, but wanted to, uh, you know, add those uh, point spread tendencies there. Bruce, your thoughts. Is App State one of those teams that was, a, a you know, a 1AA now FCS power that is maybe not going to be as strong as they move up uh, to FCS? Well, it's it, it's to sustain this is going to be tough. And remember, uh, I agree with Paul. He actually – it was a Drinkwitz he actually replaced there. Uh, Satterfield left and then Drinkwitz for a yeah. year. So they had some good coaches there. And then and then Clark came in. Uh, Chase Bryce gave them some leadership at quarterback there last year. Remember, he threw that long TD to beat Troy in the early season game uh, when ESPN was there early in the season. Um, and they, they could score some points. So they're looking – they got a new quarterback there. They're talking about a JC kid, Joey Aguilar, coming in now. Maybe it's the guy to take snaps. But I – I agree with Paul, and he brought up a really good point. That record is a favorite there. Uh, that concerns me a bit. It, it, this team seems like it's undershooting a little bit with Clark, and uh, he 
took over a team on a pretty high level. Now it was COVID year too, but um, you know, they were winning pretty consistently and they've dropped off a little bit with him and that's kind of disturbing. So I'm with Paul, not too bullish on them. I think they've probably got this priced about right at six, but uh, I'm not bullish like I might've been a couple of years ago with the Mountaineers. All right, let's move on. The next team in the East uh, is Marshall. Their win total is at seven at Bet Rivers. Uh, non-conference games against East Carolina, Virginia Tech, and NC State will be tough. Keep in mind, they won at Notre Dame in South Bend last year. Their defense was their strength. That's expected to be the, their strength again this year. But after that Notre Dame game, they lost their next two, including a loss to Bowling Green. Um, and they have back-to-back trips deep in the season at Coastal and App State, the two top teams uh, in the East. Paul? Yeah, but, you know, they won nine games last year, uh, eight of those in the regular season. And much of that, as you mentioned, that that was due to that defense. That defense was one of the better uh, defenses in the, the entire nation, for that matter. They ranked in the top 20 nationally in several key defensive uh, categories. Scoring defense gave up 18 points a game to rank eighth in the nation. Total defense gave up 325 yards a game to rank 16th. Yards per play, only 4.6 yards per play to rank 10th. And yards per pass attempt, only allowed 6.4 yards per pass attempt to rank 18th in that category. The Thundering Herd, though, they only returned three of their top nine tacklers. And last year, they had a really good secondary. They lose three members of a secondary that limited opponents last year to a completion rate of only 51.5%. Only 202 yards a game last year did they uh, allow through the air, and they had 18 interceptions. So that's going to be tough to replicate, largely due to that 18 uh, interceptions on defense. They were plus 10 in the turnover category. Don't think they're going to be that favorable this year. They also were plus two in net close wins, those being games decided by seven points or fewer. Again, you know, this seven looks looks pretty uh, pretty much on the – uh, on the nail, though, so I'll pass. Uh, be interesting to see how Marshall rebuilds some of those losses on defense. Bruce, you know, I have a strong opinion, not one of your picks, but some thoughts on the Thundering Herd. Yeah, a challenging schedule, though. They might be up to it. Play a couple of uh, ACC teams in Virginia Tech and NC State, East Carolina, which was a bull team last year, that they might be catching the Pirates at the right time. But they have shown the ability to step up, and we saw what they did at Notre Dame last year. And like Paul said, it was that defense that was the key last year. I'm a little bit concerned, too, about all the replacing they have to do on that side of the line of scrimmage. Also, uh, interestingly, though, uh, down the stretch, they were pretty hot last year, and Rasheen Ali, who was a 1,400-yard rusher in 2021, missed most of last season, but came back in November and ran pretty well down the stretch when they started to win, and they won their bowl game as well uh, over UConn, believe it or not. He made the bowl game, so good for uh, Marshall there. Now, Cam Fancher, the quarterback, they also switched to him um, midstream last year, and they started to win with him. However, I mean, he's not much of a thrower, so not only this defense has got some uh, replacing to do, but they've got to upgrade this passing game a little bit more because the Sun Belt's not that easy of a league, and if you're a little bit imbalanced there, Uh, I know it worked toward the end of last season, but they've got to get a little bit better throwing the football. So I think they're probably going to land around seven. That schedule, like I said, is pretty tough. But Charles Huff is a 
um, uh, acquitting himself pretty well here and uh, as a head coach. And uh, he's got a good background there. So uh, he's working out pretty well. And if they can just get that offense a bit more balanced and the defense um, doesn't regress too much, they'll be back to a bowl. I'm just not sure they get past seven wins. All right, let's move on to James Madison. The Dukes 8-3 and three in their first year at FBS, but ineligible for postseason play. Uh, major uh, overhaul at the skill positions. Um, offensive line and defense should be a strength uh, for the Dukes. Now, they're tr still trying to decide if they're eligible for the conference championship. But, uh, Paul, uh, the the eight the win total is at eight, shaded to the under at minus 121 at Bet Rivers. Yeah, I'll tell you, in their first year as an FBS member last year, uh, James Madison, they exceeded uh, my expectations. They won eight games, as you said, uh, they got to replace their quarterback, uh, Todd uh, Centeo. They've got to replace a 900-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, but they, again, could have one of the Sun Belt's top defenses. So that could be, uh, you know, something to lean on. And that's despite uh, the loss of Isaac Ukwu, uh, who transferred to Ole Miss after being a first-team Sun Belt selection last year. So they got to have somebody step up at quarterback. I think we're going to find out a lot of, uh, about them on successive Saturdays there in September. They got to travel to Virginia, to Troy State, and to Utah uh, to Troy and to Utah State uh, on three Saturdays there in September. So that's going to be really interesting. Not stepping out on a huge limb here, but I currently uh, project Virginia to be a one-point favorite at home against James Madison in uh, Week Two. Uh, I think that'll decide one way or the other their uh, season win total of eight, whether they get over, uh, push, or under perhaps. But uh, I'm going to predict James Madison knocks off Virginia there in week two for a big victory for the program, but no opinion really on the regular season win total of eight. Uh, not one of your picks either, Bruce, but uh, some, some thoughts on uh, James Madison. Yeah, I want to, back to uh, we talked about in conference USA, shame on the NC2A here this time. I think it was shame on La Tech uh, on our last segment, but uh, for not granting, I know this is the NC2A. They, they have the adjustment phase and the transition phase, but come on. I mean, uh, I'm baloney. <laughs> They've changed so much. The portal's in play. The, their focus is on the wrong things. Their focus on the wrong <laughs> to things. To say the least. <laughs> let, let them play in a bowl. And there is still apparently a chance they could play in a bowl. Um, if uh, there are not enough bowl-eligible teams with six wins and James Madison does, they could, I guess, slip through that loophole and the NC2A would allow them to perform in a bowl. But nonetheless, that was a bang-up job by Signetti last year in their, in their move to the FCS. I'm interested in the quarterback here, Jordan McLeod. He wasn't all that bad to South Florida a couple of years ago. In fact, he put up some pretty decent numbers. And then he transferred to Arizona last year and he got hurt and Delora emerged there, so we, we haven't seen him for a couple of years. But when we last saw him, he was not all that bad. And I was kind of surprised that Santeo uh, worked as well as he did at quarterback last year. He didn't show that much to me in his previous career stop at Colorado State. So McLeod might be able to work in the Signetti offense, but a lot of the skill position people have to be changed. Um, and that, that early schedule, I think I would worry about them having a little letdown after Virginia because I know I know Virginia, what that state is like, and that's going to be a big deal for James Madison to go into Charlottesville. And if they knock them off like Paul Stone thinks, and I think Paul's right, uh, I worry about them the next week against Troy, early season letdown. That's a possibility and a very tough Troy team as well. Uh, so I'm a little – I'm not – I'm a little cool on that win number there, but I like the direction of this program, and I sure hope they get – to get in a bowl game somehow this year, even if uh, there's not enough bowl-eligible teams for them to slip in. 
All right, uh, Paul, let's get to one of your first picks. And looking at Georgia Southern and Clay Helton, when we came over last year, we're like, how's this going to work out? He's talking about throwing the ball all over the place. It's major offensive transformation. Well, did pretty good, 466 yards a game. You got your money's worth when you watched Georgia Southern last year. They played eight one-score games. They were 4-4 four and four in those one-score games. They got to a bowl game, and they also uh, add a nice uh, transfer quarterback. Davis Blinn comes over from Tulsa. 13 starters return for the Eagles. Their win total is at 6, shaded to the over at minus 150, Paul. Yeah, this is a uh, interesting uh, team, Georgia Southern. I think they're one of the more exciting teams in all of college football. Clay Hilton last year in his first year, 2022, uh, they threw the ball all over the yard. They ranked second nationally uh, in pass attempts uh, per game at 47, the only team to throw the ball more than Georgia Southern did last year uh, was Mississippi State. Uh, their quarterback last year, Buffalo transfer Cal Van Trees. Uh, he's exhausted his eligibility at quarterback. But as you indicated, senior Davis Brin, who started 22 games over the past two seasons there at Tulsa, he's transferred in, going to be the starter. Georgia Southern last year, they upset three teams. I mean, they showed you what they can do when they're cooking, when they're on their high side, bringing their A game. They upset Nebraska, James Madison, and Appalachian State, the first two as a double-digit underdog, lost at Coastal Carolina in the final minute. So they almost beat the Chanticleers as well. So Helton's uh, second year at quarterback should be uh, should be interesting. Uh, they're uh, six. They're total six, shaded to the over there at uh, Bet Rivers minus one fifty. Most of the offense is back, uh, and I think they could get over that. Uh, we'll get over that uh, posted win total of six uh, there at Bet Rivers. Uh, Bruce, any thoughts on uh, Georgia Southern? Yeah, they're one of my overs uh, as well for many of the reasons uh, that that Paul mentioned there. I'd point out, uh, you know, Davis Brin, um, you know, Tulsa, you know, toward the end of last season when he got hurt, they really struggled with the backup uh, uh, in there. So they went downhill some after Brin. Brin was a better quarterback at Tulsa than Ventrice was at Buffalo. So if Helton could make Ventrice into a passing phenomenon like he was last year. I think he can do the same with Bryn because Bryn's a gunslinger. He likes to wing it. And it's not just the passing game there. I mean, they can, they can balance the offense some. Uh, Jalen White's a potential 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, Caleb Hood, big-time wideout. He's probably a 1,000-yard receiver. So you could have you could have some balance in this offense too, and I think Bryn's going to be just fine. My concern, though, that defense uh, last year, they couldn't have been much worse. They're ranked 126. They've lost eight of the top 10 tacklers. So maybe this is a case where some of the new guys coming in aren't going to be any much of a drop-off. And I think the second system, second season for Helton using this whole system, I think it's going to work okay. And like I said, Bryn's a veteran quarterback. I think he's going to step right in there just the way Van Trees did last year. And they also went into Nebraska and won last year. And that was the game that got Scott Frost fired, by the way. Uh, will Lightning strike again? Well, Luke Fickle's not going to get fired if he loses to Georgia Southern. I don't think they will, but they do go to Wisconsin early. But that's the only really – overwhelming uh, uh, non-conference game that they have. So the schedule doesn't break all that badly for them. And UAB is a game they can win, I think, in week two, and they get the Citadel in week one. So I think they're going to start off 2-0 and and on their way to another bowl. And uh, I'm going to go, like Paul Stone, over with the Mighty Eagles from Statesboro. Over Georgia Southern. Uh, the next one is Georgia State, five and a half. Neither of you have a strong opinion on it. <clears throat> Excuse me, close losses. Five close losses cost them a fourth straight bowl 
Uh, quarterback Darren, uh, Darren Granger returns for head coach Sean Elliott's seventh year. Five and a half shaded to the under minus 167. Quick thought on Georgia State, Paul. Yeah, you know, Georgia State, they had a string of three consecutive winning seasons come to a close last year, went four and eight. You know, you could call it bad luck. Maybe it was just who they were, but they were negative five last year in, in net close games. So negative five in games decided by seven points or fewer. They were 0-5 in those games. Three of those losses were by three or fewer points uh, with the five losses coming by a grand total of only 17 points. So they lost five games last year by 17 points. So they were awfully close. You mentioned their quarterback, Darren Granger. Really like this guy. He's athletic. Again, a true dual threat guy who's thrown for almost 4,200 yards the last two seasons, run for almost 1,400, accounted for a combined 46 touchdowns. So Granger uh, gives them some productivity at quarterback. It is an offensive uh, game today in college football, so uh, gives them a chance anyway, and perhaps they can reverse some of that negative fortune last year, losing all those close games, and maybe get some of those games in their corner this year. No strong opinion on the uh, total of five and a half, though. I think it's about right on the mark. One strong opinion <clears throat> that you do have, Bruce, your old Dominion, who started three and three last year, including wins against Virginia Tech and Coastal Carolina, but lost their last uh, six. Uh, talking about one of the new offenses again, trying to go to a <clears throat> excuse me, a more space-oriented uh, offense to uh, benefit their skill position players. Their win totals at three and a half. Bruce, you like the under. Yeah, uh, though I think Paul might have liked the under a little bit more here than me, but I, I, I could see that. And I don't like the way this thing fell apart for uh, Old Dominion last year, especially after that opening win over Virginia Tech that was so enthralling for them last year. Um, and it just sort of fell apart after that, and they never really regained uh, their balance. They have the opener this year at Virginia Tech as well. Uh, this time at Virginia Tech, and they might be catching an angry bunch of Hokies there. So I'm afraid they're going to start off uh, on the wrong foot a lot. I think Ricky Ronnie's is a is a decent coach here, and he has shown he can do some things in the past. Remember, these guys didn't play at all in the COVID year a couple of years ago. So I'm wondering long term if that might be starting to impact them a little bit now, uh, because uh, the upperclassmen, uh, you know that that. They're, they're pretty barren there. They've got a lot of reloading to do on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage. They weren't all that good on defense last year. Uh, they've got to break in a new quarterback. Um, I think it's going to be, they're kind of going in the wrong direction there. Um, and they get Wake Forest also coming in in the third game. So that's a tough start uh, for them and the, and the Raging Cages in week two. I don't like the fact they could start off slow this year. They get sort of beaten up by those ACC teams. And like we said, this is a tough league, and it proved too tough for Old Dominion last year. I think they're going to struggle to get over three and a half. Paul, you got your concerns. It's one of your picks uh, under three and a half. Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, they had 17 returning starters, and they did uh, only win three games, and two of those games by just three points. So this season, again, the same old, same old with some of their top players in the program lost through the, the transfer portal. They only return, compared to 17 starters last year, they only return a total of seven starters this year, four on offense and three on defense. Uh, so I see little reason for optimism uh, in Norfolk this year. They only averaged 19.9 points per game last year, and now they lose perhaps three of their, their top three skill players, I should say, lose three members of its starting offensive line 
Uh, one of those, not through the portal, but one of those, Nick Saldaveri, he was a fourth-round draft pick of the Saints. So that's a top-level offensive lineman uh, gone out the door. Their two-year starting quarterback, Hayden Wolf, uh, he leaves for Western Michigan. They lose a former 1,000-yard rusher, Blake Watson, who's off to Memphis. And then their top receiver, Ali Jennings, uh, he had more than 2,000 yards receiving in Old Dominion combined the past two seasons. So a really productive season, a really productive last two years there for Old Dominion. But he moves cross-state to Blacksburg, uh, where he'll play for Virginia Tech. Defensively, uh, even though they weren't great last year on defense, they did only allow 26.6 points per game, recorded 32 sacks. So by their recent standards, they were you know pretty good compared to that, in my opinion. They only returned, though, one starter on the defensive line, one starting linebacker. Uh, so I, I don't think their defense is going to be even as good this year as it was last year. And then you look at that non-conference schedule again, which is always a big part of these handicaps. They've got a home date against FCS, Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, certainly should be a victory there. But as you, you guys talked about, uh, the remaining out-of-league contest, got games against ACC members, Virginia Tech and Wake Forest, and also against first-year Conference USA member uh, Liberty. Looks like another se a long season, uh, in my opinion, for head coach uh, Ricky Ronnie and the Monarchs take Old Dominion under three and a half wins at minus one and a quarter there at Bet Rivers. All right, let's move on to the West, and we look at South Alabama, the Jaguars. Uh, one of the stories of uh, college football last year, they they were um, they, they were ten and three uh, a year ago with tough losses again at UCLA and against Troy, who won the league. So, eight team returning starters from that ten and three team that lost to Western Kentucky down at the Superdome in the bowl game. Win totals at seven and a half, shaded pretty good to the over at minus one eighty two. Schedule is tougher. Road trips at Tulane, at Oklahoma State, at James Madison, at Troy. But both of you guys are are uh, are bullish in South Alabama, including you, Paul, who's looking at a price at plus three fifty to win the league. Yeah, I mean, this is really an interesting league. You know, I, I think there's a lot of teams that could win this league. You know, obviously South Alabama uh, is my pick to win the league, but Troy also in the West is a team that could that could win. Uh, and I think uh, Appalachian State, uh, Marshall, and Coastal Carolina uh, have a, a shot, and Georgia Southern might be an interesting long shot. But for me, when it comes down to just picking one team, it comes down to the experience of South Alabama and the defense of the Jaguars. Uh, they just don't have any clear-cut weaknesses on offense. They do return their uh, quarterback, Toledo transfer, Carter Bradley. Uh, they return a 1,000-yard rusher in LaDamian Webb. They've got six of their top seven receivers back from one year ago, and that includes a couple of guys who had more than 800 yards receiving last year. And they also returned four starting offensive linemen, so I think they're going to be better on offense. And then defensively, they returned nine starters uh, from last year's unit that allowed an average of 21.3 points per game and only 332 yards per game. To kind of show again, using UCLA is kind of the barometer – UCLA and Dorian Thompson-Robinson last year, they only recorded 407 yards total offense in the Bruins' fortunate 32-31 victory over uh, South Alabama at the Rose Bowl. For comparison's sake, again, against South Alabama, only 403 yards. But against uh, Pitt, 
in the bowl game, defensive-minded Pitt. They had 453 yards versus Pitt. They had 499 yards against Washington, 448 yards against Oregon. And old Kyle Whittingham and Utah, they can uh, they can play some defense, but the Bruins had 502 yards against them, only 403 uh, against South Alabama. I know you know that was earlier in the year and games are different, but that still gives you some uh, perspective on how good they are, especially when you're talking about going up against Sun Belt uh, competition. Uh, you know, again, this is just a team that uh, that's got a lot going for it in terms of experience. They do have two tough non-conference games uh, on the road at Tulsa and at Oklahoma State. Right now, I would make uh, Oklahoma State about a 10 or a 10.5 point favorite over South Alabama. I think South Alabama might have uh, a little opportunity there uh, to pull off a stunning upset in September there in Stillwater. They also play at James Madison and at Troy, so got a couple of uh, tough um, uh, games there on the road. But 7.5, although it's heavily juiced, excuse me, at minus 182. I think they're going to win at least eight games. I played them earlier this year at plus 350 to win the conference, and I also like them to win the Sun Belt. Bruce, you like South Alabama as well. I do. I agree with Paul here. Remember, this is also the uh, third-ranked rushing defense in the country last year, and they returned almost their entire defensive front. So defensively, this team wasn't all that bad last season. And Willie Fritz is little concerned, I'm sure, about this opener because South Alabama is very, very difficult. Paul touched upon all the points. Carter Bradley back at quarterback. He's he's very good. Kane Womack, let's talk about him for a second, the head coach. I uh, do shows down in Mobile with the legend otherwise known as Lee Shivanian. And Shivanian, who's been down there a long time, says, look, they, they love this guy. And they've, they've seen coaches, too, and they in the region there, they're very familiar. They think this kid is a winner. The program on the move, they got a new stadium they've just built there two years ago. He says Womack is not going to leave here for anywhere because we mentioned, you know, Indiana, where he came from, that might be opening up next year. And he said, I don't think he'd go there. I mean, he's going to pick his spots the way Billy Napier did, leaving uh, Louisiana Lafayette and taking the Florida job. This is an up-and-coming coach. Paul talked about all those returnees back. I love that Bradley is back at quarterback. So this is a real playmaker who can hurt you with his arm and his legs. And dangerous and um you know the bowl game i know they ran into hot western kentucky bowl games are not a little bit different these days um but they proved to me in the regular season that they can play and with a lot of guys back i think they're an over even though they have juiced that number uh at seven and a half pretty uh it's going to cost you a little bit but i think it's worth it yeah, no doubt so when we talk about troy the next team and their win total is actually higher at eight and a half um Man, they, they were almost perfect last year. They lost at Ole Miss. Okay, that, that's fine. At Ole Miss is very tough, especially uh, at home. Then they lost at Hail Mary game, uh, the game day uh, in Boone, North Carolina against, at Appalachian State. Correct me if I'm wrong, but do they not have the second longest winning streak in Division One now after Georgia because they ripped off 11 in a row, a conference title, and a bowl win uh, to boot? So why the separation between South Alabama and Troy? Neither of you guys have an opinion on the win total at 8.5, but Paul, start off with why South Alabama against uh, over Troy uh, in the East, I mean in the West? Yeah, you know, there's uh, – Jimmy, my main reason is I'm, I'm – a regression to the mean type guy. They had a lot of things kind of go their way last year in 22. Uh, they did win, obviously, as you mentioned, the, the Sunbelt Conference title and closed on that winning streak, uh, win 12 games, you know, capped by that uh, Cure Bowl victory over Texas San Antonio by the margin of 18 to 12. 
But they won last year. The Trojans did four games outright as the betting underdog. Uh, they were also plus five in those net close games, games decided by seven points or fewer. So they won a lot of close games last year. They were plus six in the turnover category. So all those things individually or collectively sometimes will regress to the mean. They also got to replace three starting offensive linemen. Uh, offensive line is uh, an area of concentration for my handicapping process. And they, they also lose their entire linebacking core, and that includes their tackling machine, uh, all-time tackling leader in college football, Carlton Marshall, ended his career with only 578 tackles. Jeez. So a lot of tackles out the door. Got to replace all three linebackers. That was a really good defense last year. I don't think it's going to be quite as good. I don't think their fortune is going to be quite as good. So I rank South Alabama slightly ahead of Troy for those reasons. Yeah, Bruce, your thoughts? Well, they, I mean, Troy's got a higher win total than South Alabama. Uh, so I'm not I'm, – I mean, that's kind of why I like South Alabama over. I, I'm not sure that – Troy's not going to win this league, though. I mean, they get uh, they get the Jags uh, at home on November two. They beat them last year on the road. They 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 won at Western Kentucky last year. Uh, they beat UTSA in the bowl game. A good and they come from behind that game in Orlando. So they were really good. And this defense was outstanding last year. Paul brings up some points. They've got to fill in there at the linebacker spots. But John Sumrall is a real coach. Troy recognized the mistake it made a few years before. They should have hired Summerall, who was on staff there, when they hired Chip Lindsey instead. Lindsey didn't work out. Summerall went up to Kentucky. They brought him back. And you talk about gangbusters. You're very right, Jimmy. Only Georgia has a longer win streak coming into this season than Troy, 11 straight. And most of the offensive guys are back. The skill position guys are back on offense, including Watson at quarterback, runners and receivers. So they're good. It's just that that win total is up there higher to me but uh, that's why i that's why i sort of like that south alabama if you put these guys at seven and a half like they did south alabama i'm going over with them too eight though you know eight and a half that's a little bit to get to nine though is that's still going to be a little bit of a challenge but that's the only reason why i preferred south alabama to them for a win wreck over all right we've mentioned uh billy napier's name a few times his old school ull um and he was very patient turning down uh, offers from Auburn, Mississippi State before he chose Florida. Uh, Mike DeSormo uh, from within his staff went 7-7 seven and seven his first year. And, Paul, that's exactly where the win total is for this year at 7, shaded to the over at Bet Rivers at minus 143. Okay. Now, they go 6-7 and seven last year or 7-7? Seven and seven? I might was be it, – uh, it I, I thought it was 6-7. Okay. I thought they lost to Houston in the, in the bowl game. 6-7. and seven. By yeah. 7. My but, bad, 6-7. Yeah. and seven. Six, so they, they won six games in the regular season and got that uh, regular season win total at seven this year. And uh, you mentioned their second-year head coach, DeSormo, uh, replacing uh, Billy Napier. You know, their three-year string of, of double-digit win seasons obviously came to a halt last year in his first season. Uh, they lose to the uh, Houston Cougars 23-16 there in the Independence Bowl. They lose their top uh, rusher. They lose their top receiver from a year ago. And then on defense, they have some losses there as well. They lose six of their top seven tacklers. So, uh, you know, you, you look at this team and uh, their schedule, pretty manageable uh, other than a trip to Minnesota, which is a likely loss. Uh, but last year, um, their schedule ranked uh, – or this year, rather, ranks 124th nationally. You know, I would tend to maybe lean – towards the underside, but looking at that schedule, I think they've got some games there they can 
uh, they can win. So no huge opinion here on uh, Louisiana. But I think DeSormo uh, or Coach Desmo, don't they call him Coach Desmo there, some people? Uh, Coach Desmo <laughs> needs to have success uh, here in year two or, uh, you know, things will uh, – uh, could be looking downward, but uh, no opinion really on the Raging Cajuns this year. Bruce, I mean, they were they 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 had some tough luck last year. They were zero and four in one score games. They were. They lost a lot of close games last year, and I think you know uh, when when Napier stayed, he also had a lot of continuity. He had this quarterback, running backs. I mean, he kept those guys there in in the fold for a long time. And last year was going to be a transition year, even if Napier was there last year because they had a lot of guys to replace uh, fields at quarterback uh, is back. He was hurt some he's hurt in spring and they think he's going to be fine for the regular season, but to stay at that level and coach Desmo as Paul calls him, um, he was the natural replacement because he had been there. He had played uh, for the Raging Cajuns and he was on staff there for, for Napier. So he was the natural guy to ascend up. And I think he coached the bowl game the previous year too. But there was a lot of retooling to do last year, and they lost those close games. So I'm a little concerned about them getting over that hump of seven uh, wins. Minnesota's going to be a tough road trip for them. The schedule makes me think they've got a chance, but I'm thinking seven might actually max them out, so I don't think they can get to eight. So I'm kind of a no play with them. All right, next up, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Their win total is at five, and, you know, they've got some tough uh, tough schedule. reminds me of the old Metro Conference when, you know, Florida State, Tulane, and Southern Miss were all in there because they play Florida State, Tulane, and Mississippi State. So the t- schedule is tough, but Will Hall went from 3-9 and nine to 7-6, and six, and his he has his best roster uh, in his early tenure in Hattiesburg. They beat Tulane, the Cotton Bowl champion, at their place in Yulman Stadium in Uptown New Orleans, and they are big and pretty good up front, especially for this league. Their offensive line averages 325 pounds. I kind of like Southern Miss looking to the over. I think this is a coach that has been able to uh, try to kind of work, and uh, his roster his roster build has been pretty impressive, especially in the trenches. Paul, it's not one of your picks, but Southern Miss at Bet Rivers' win total is of five, shaded to the over at minus one thirty. Yeah, you know, after back-to-back three-win seasons, as you mentioned, Will Hall leads uh, Southern Miss to six wins in the regular season, makes it seven with the uh, bowl victory over Rice, 38-24. You know, talented. They've got a talented running back, no question about it. Frank Gore, Jr., uh, I I enjoy the fact that they're able to keep him. You know, he's the kind of guy that you you wonder how many – uh, feelers he got from teams trying to get him through the portal, but he stays there in Hattiesburg, uh, and he's obviously a huge part of their offense, especially since they're going to be breaking in an inexperienced quarterback, whether it's Holman Edwards, a Houston transfer, or Billy Wiles, or someone else. Their quarterback's going to be very, very lightly experienced. So they're uh, not that they've gotten a whole lot of production from their quarterback the last couple of seasons, but they will be starting anew there. Last year, defensively, the Golden Eagles, they ranked in the top five nationally in both sacks and tackles for loss. I think it's going to be tough for them to replicate uh, that in 2023. But if I was going to go anyway, and I really don't have a strong opinion, but with the total at five, you know, I think this is a team that could, again, perhaps win six games. I'll be on the sideline, but I like what Will Hall did last year, and I'll be anxious to see whether the ascension of this program can continue in 2023. Bruce, your thoughts on the Golden Eagles? 
I think you might be right, Jimmy, though I, I didn't have them as a featured pick, but I, I think they might be able to get back to a bowl. They did. They got to a bowl. They won. It was only Rice, and Rice was the five-win team in there, but they did win. Remember, I mean, two years ago, I mean, I mean, Hall, they quarterbacks were wiped out by injury. They had to go Wildcat, and mm-hmm. it was Gore taking direct snaps, and, and they actually competed pretty well doing that. Um, and, and the fact Gore is still there and sticking around and running, he ran for almost 1,400 yards last year. That's going to make it a little bit easier on one of these new quarterbacks, whether it's Holman um, uh, Edwards from Houston or Wiles from Clemson. Defensively, they are they, they really nasty bunch defensively. That's what they call them, the nasty bunch. Front seven, they're pretty loaded coming back there. They're going to have some the, – the, the back of the defense, the secondary, has to do some rebuilding there. Um, and that schedule is a little bit tricky too, but they did beat Tulane, like we said last year. Uh, they get the Greenies at home in Hattiesburg in week three after going to Florida State. Mississippi State comes later in the season. So that's what that's the only thing that's preventing me from looking over because I think those are three probable losses in non-conference play, especially with the Green Wave and Revenge mode. But I think Will Hall's got this thing in the right track and he's sort of stabilized things there. And you might be right, Jimmy. I'm not going to argue with this team going over five. I think you might have something. At least we all agree that uh, Southern Miss is moving in the right direction uh, under Will Hall. Maybe a team that's not is the uh, champions of life uh, uh, guy, Butch Jones at Arkansas State, two and ten and three and nine in his first couple of years, and um, so they they claim that they have had the Sun Belt's top recruiting class back to back years, but not showing a whole lot of results right now. Paul, not one of your picks, but the win total is at four and a half at Bet Rivers. I mean, you, you look like you said he went from two wins his first season in 2021 to only three wins last year in 2022. You look at those three wins last season, very interesting to me. Those wins came against Grambling, Louisiana Monroe, and UMass. You look at Jeff Sagren's year-end rankings, and Sagren includes FCS teams. There were only 131 FBS teams last year. Those three teams, Grambling, Louisiana Monroe, and UMass, none of them ranked in Sagren's final top 140. So they didn't really beat anybody of note last year. And now they lose, you know, two-year starting quarterback James Blackman, who started his career at uh, Florida State, threw for over 9,200 yards combined at Florida State and Arkansas State. Uh, I mean, he certainly, in my opinion, played well considering his lack of offensive weapons and just the overall situation. Now they have a Colorado transfer, J.T. Strout, coming in, uh, began his career at Tennessee, and he's Blackman's likely uh, likely replacement. But I think there's going to be some considerable drop-off at that quarterback position. They do have probable wins uh, against Stony Brook and, again, at UMass. But, uh, you know, other than that, don't see tons of wins uh, on the schedule. Um, you know, I would like to look at the under, but, again, the schedule, just uh, those two pretty much automatic wins makes me shy away from it. So uh, I'll be uh, on the sideline with Arkansas State and their win total of four and a half this year. Bruce, you do like the under four and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure they're going into Amherst and pulling one out. They only beat these guys by two last year, so the Minutemen are ready for them. I – we talk about schedule, though. I don't like the way this starts for them. they got to go to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's going to be loaded for Bear coming out trying to get back on track, and that's going to be a tough one for Butch. Then they go to Memphis. Not too far away. It's not a short – it's a pretty short uh, drive from Jonesboro down there, but Memphis should probably get them. Uh, so I think they're going to start off 0-2 before they get to Stony Brook. And who knows? I mean, I, I mean the way Arkansas State – Paul said, I mean, I mean low, lowly teams, the only ones they beat last year, and they barely beat uh, UMass. 
I have been really disappointed by Butch Jones here. I thought they were going to do a lot more than they have done. And all of this so-called recruiting upgrade here, well, everybody coming in who's starting on his new-look offensive line is from the portal. I mean, they're not his, not his recruits coming in, high school recruits. Um, this is a locale that was used to some winning there. Um, you look, remember the, all the, the succession of coaches who came through, whether it was Malzahn, it was Hugh Freeze, and Brian Harson. one-year stops for each of them. And then Blake Anderson came in, and they were successful. They went to bowls with all those guys. Anderson got them to bowls every year. He stayed around there a little longer than we thought because he had his wife got ill, and or else he might have left earlier. But he eventually did to Utah State. But they stayed pretty much bowl eligible all the way through with with Anderson too. So there was a lot of success in this program over the last decade, and it is just cratered with Butch Jones. I'm really disappointed. I thought this was going to work a lot better. There's no excuse to go five and nineteen, even in this an improved league here like this. And I'm not sure about Shrout either at quarterback. I mean he. You know, I saw him at play at Colorado, you know, very skittery. I, he's got a lot of refining to do before he helps out. And uh, in this league, I mean, they, they got beaten up in this league last year. I think they're going to have to get five wins. And I'm not sure they're going to beat UMass, by the way. Uh, they got to come a long way. I, Butch is going to coach himself into some trouble because, like I said, this school is used to winning. And, they're you know, two and ten, three and nine ain't going to cut it even in Jonesboro. They uh they actually host Memphis after uh, going to yep. Norman Oklahoma right. and then right. they play yep. um then they got that uh, that run a win but then Southern Miss is the fourth game so three of their t- first four games we talked yep. about their size and their physicality so I mean that's a that's a tough one to see how they come out of that uh, physically as well let's move on to Texas State huh Paul boy I mean that incarnate word just produce you know pumping out coaches huh I mean that another incarnate word co- lands. Um, this time at Texas State. Uh, so um, odd, odd twenty twenty two last year for them four and eight, but uh, they beat Appalachian State and only lost to Troy by three. And to made the coaching change. Texas State their win total is at three and a half. The over shaded big time minus one eighty. Not one of your picks, Paul, but your thoughts on the the, the transition to this wide open offense. Well, their new coach, like you said, from Incarnate Word, uh, G.J. Kenny, 34 years old. Um, being here from East Texas, I'm very familiar with G.J. Kenny and his father, uh, Gary Joe Kenny, who played linebacker at Baylor uh, in days gone by. But G.J. Kenny played at two East Texas high schools uh, here in my neck of the woods at Canton High School near Dallas and also uh, Gilmer High School, which has produced a lot of players. Signed out of high school, if you remember, with the University of Texas. Uh, didn't pan out there. He transferred to the University of Tulsa and was their quarterback uh, 2009 and 2011. So being a former quarterback, it stands to reason offense is his side of the ball. Uh, Last year, they make it all the way to the FCS semifinals, average 52 points a game at the San Antonio Bay School. Going to install the same fast-paced offense that he had at Incarnate Word. But you just got to wonder if he has the, um, the personnel to pull it off, especially in year one. He does have a couple of intriguing options at quarterback, a pair of athletic transfers. Uh, first of all, Malik Hornsby, who comes to Texas State from Arkansas, and then another contender from an SEC West school, 6'7", TJ Finley, also competing for that job. Both very uh, good athletes, but they both need polish in the passing game. And the quarterback this year at uh, Texas State is going to be asked to, to throw it quite a bit. You know, you just look at, uh, again, what they have coming back. Uh, the schedule, I think, slightly tougher this year. 
Uh, two of their victories last year were against FIU and FCS Houston Christian. Uh, this year, Texas State's non-conference game includes home games against Jackson State and Nevada, but road trips, season opener to Baylor, and then they also have to travel to uh, Texas San Antonio. Um, you were seeing four and a half in some markets uh, and four um, earlier this uh, this summer and spring. At three and a half, I think it's about right. Uh, I don't think they're going to win any more than four games, but they could hit four games. So I'm going to be on the sideline. But G.J. Kenny, uh, an interesting uh, up-and-coming coach at age 34, if he can get that program turned around because Texas State has not had very much success the last decade or so, if he can win some games there, it could catapult him to a uh, Power 5 job perhaps. Bruce, you like the under here. It's one of your picks. Yeah, although I, I do like San Marcos, a nice place, just up the road from San Antonio. It's a short ride. Right, Paul? Uh, for, for it is. Up yeah, for yeah about 50 miles yeah, north sure, right? of uh, San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the world's biggest Buckies, by the way. That's what I love about uh, <laughs> what I love about uh, San Marcos. But remember, I mean, recently, I mean, Franchoni was there uh, and didn't get him over the hump. And Jake Spavadol, when he came in, all the ballyhoo from Dana Holgerson's uh, staff and all that just couldn't get it over the hump. So Kenny's got his challenge. That was impressive last year. He inherited a pretty good deal um, from Eric Morris at Incarnate Word, although not his quarterback, which we left to Washington State with him. So pretty impressive by Kenny last year. But this is this is more even than what Dion's doing at Colorado. This is a test case for the portal. Like the whole roster is like portal ads here. He's brought a lot of guys, though, from Incarnate Word or coming up from San Antonio for his offensive line, though. So there's some familiarity there. But we'll see about Hornsby coming in. You're asking him to really do a lot in this sort of a radical offense there that Kenny's got going. And Hornsby's going to have a lot of pressure on him. But it's totally new, and most of the defense is new as well. Uh, so this is, like I said, a real laboratory experiment for uh, the, the portal here. And while down the road I can see Kenny maybe working out this league isn't that easy, and I don't. At the start of the season at Baylor, and then that trip to UTSA down the road the other way, they're going to start off 0 2, I think, and they could take some lumps. So I don't think they're going to get to four wins this year. Down the road, maybe this works, and I hope it does because I like the school and I think Kenny adds something to it. But starting off all these transfers coming in, that makes me very skittish. TJ Finley, who did get playing time at both LSU and Auburn, now over at uh, Texas State. Um, and finally, the last team we're looking at, uh, U University of Louisiana at Monroe, and their win total is at three. Terry Bowden, four and eight and four and eight in his two years there. Paul, both you and Bruce are looking at the under here with ULM. Yeah, I mean, they win four games last year in their regular season win total there at Bet Rivers at three. Uh, shaded to the under at minus 121. First of all, they play the toughest overall schedule in the, the Sun Belt, uh, according to Phil Steele, and I agree with that assessment. Uh, and stop me if you've heard this refrain, especially for myself, but they just, you know, they sustain significant losses through the portal. Uh, I mean, their quarterback, Chandler Rogers, he moves on to North Texas where he's contending for the starting position. Uh, they lose their uh, top two rushers off last year's team. Uh, those uh, guys are gone. They lose their top two offensive linemen who both left for, for Power 5 schools. So those are those are high-quality uh, Sun Belt offensive linemen. As far as their four-game um, non-conference schedule, FCS Lamar obviously almost a certain victory. But besides that, they have to travel to SEC West teams, Texas A&M and Mississippi in the non-conference. Plus, they host Army 
in their opener. Uh, they're currently a seven and a half point favorite uh, at some shops in that one. Um, you know, other than the Lamar game, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to be favored necessarily uh, in any other games that I see, any other eight conference games for sure. Uh, the best chances of being favored going to be a road trip to Texas State and a home game against Arkansas State. Uh, both those games currently would be lined uh, at three and a half points or fewer by my numbers. The Warhawks likely going to be getting uh, double digits besides those two conference games where they may or may not be favored in the remaining six conference games. I project that they'll be getting double digits in all of those games. So unlikely to win those six games. So it's just tough for me to see more than three wins. I think three and nine would be uh, quite an accomplishment. Uh, four just seems to be a uh, really tough ask. I think they're more likely to be two and ten or worse than four and eight or better. So take uh, Louisiana Monroe to go under their posted win total of three there at Bet Rivers at minus one twenty one. Paul uh, Bruce, you 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 agree with Paul here? You're on the under as well. All with Paul here. Uh, I think he's right. And by the way, that Army opener, I mean, they got blown out at Army last year. So now they're laying points. Now, Army's, Army's not running the triple this year either. So it's a new, a different version of it. So this is going to be, they're going to catch, uh, we'll see how Terry uh, Terry Bowden handles this. It's interesting. I mean, 30 years ago now, where did time go, guys, when he took over at Auburn? Uh, so he's been around a while. But this is not working the way it was supposed to work there. When you bring a guy in like Bowden, a veteran coach, you're supposed to create some stability there. And I know in the era of the portal and in the group of five conferences and place, especially a place like ULM, you're going to have some, some transferring. But they're living in the portal. There's no continuity going on here. You can't be having half your roster coming in new every year. That's not what you get a guy in to deliver some stability for. You do what Jerry Kill's doing in New Mexico State. You don't do this, what, what Bowden's doing. This is just haphazard, one year to the next, living in the portal. It ain't going to work. It's not good that his quarterback left for a North Texas, uh, and they've got a new quarterback they're going to have to break in here. Just transfers everywhere. And like you said, they are going to be really taking some beatings at a couple of those SEC schools they visit. This is not working. Uh, for Bowden here, and uh, this experiment may end after this year, I think, because unlike Paul, I, I could see them coming in like 2-10, and 10, and I'm not sure at all they're going to beat Army in that opener either. And They, they might be thinking they're going to go 2-0 out of the gate. I don't think so. I think this whole thing is going to just collapse around Bowden in uh, Monroe. It's also 2023, Bruce, and there's not a whole lot of funding at Louisiana right. Monroe. So, I mean, he's dealing with a strapped budget, uh, yeah. to uh, say the least. So that uh, that concludes, again, both Paul and Bruce on ULM. Uh, used to be the Indians, now the Warhawks. They under three in that one. For Bruce Marshall of CBS Sports Line and VegasInsider.com, Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports. I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise YouTube channel on the Bet Rivers Network.